Welcome to worship. I'm Sheila and I'll be your host for this online worship experience. We're so glad you're here. Wherever you're worshiping from, thanks for being with us today. If this is your first time worshiping with us, we wanna invite you to check in with us and we have a special gift for you. We'll send you an online Starbucks gift card and the coffee is on us. Today is week seven of our summer long series about the Sermon on the Mount. Pastor Jason has a great message coming up for us in just a few moments. If you wanna dive deeper into these worship experiences, you'll find sermon discussion questions and more online at schweitzer.church next. And now here's Jen with our announcements for the week. Hi, welcome to Schweitzer. My name is Jen. Just wanna tell you about some things coming up this week is our next family experience, which will be on Wednesday, July 13th. This will be a great time for your whole family to come out from littles to sixth grade plus some. And we, what we do is we have like worship together, activities together, um, all kinds of interactive moments for your family just to be together and enjoy a great night together. We're focusing on how God rescues us. We have even are going to be focusing on police officers, have the cold patrol here. So you want to be sure you sign up, bring your family, bring some friends, and you can sign up, let us know you're coming at Schweitzer.church slash kids. Another fun thing our Schweitzer Kids is doing is an outdoor movie night on Friday, July 22nd. This is going to be an old school style drive-in theater. You can even listen to it on your radio. You can sit in your car or you can bring some chairs and sit out in the lawn. We'll have a whole big pop-up screen and we'll even have snacks. But we'd love to know if you want some snacks because we're going to have them pre-packed for you. Plus we'll have some there, but we want to make sure we have enough popcorn, all the things. So if you can sign up for that at Schweitzer.church kids. That'll be great. Come on out. Again, that's Friday night, July 22nd. A couple more things coming up on August 4th. One is our second season lunch. This ministry is for people 55 and older, but really any age can come. In August, we'll be focusing on our partnership with Pittman Elementary and talking to volunteers who serve as reading buddies and what that looks like to serve in the local school. So you won't want to miss it. You'll come out for a great lunch and get to hear about how maybe you can even get involved in our community. So be sure you sign up at Schweitzer.church slash second season. Our other event that we're having on that same day, August 4th, is a community blood drive. This is just a practical way we can care for our community. We'd love to have as many people come out, give blood, you know, hang out together and serve our community. So you can learn more about that and sign up as well at Schweitzer.church slash next. Thanks again for being here today. And if you have any questions about signups or just want to know what to do next, Head to the Blue Booth after service. We'd be happy to help you with any questions you have or helping you sign up. Now, let's continue with worship. Thanks, Jen, for those great announcements. There's a lot of great things happening here at Schweitzer. We invite you to get connected. If you're worshiping with us live today, we invite you to join in the chat. Say hi to your friends or give us your insights. If you're in need of prayer, we have someone waiting for you right now. And now, on this beautiful day, let us continue in worship. Lord, I confess that I've been a criminal. I've stolen your breath and sang my own song and Lord I confess 
I'm far from innocent These shackles I wear I bought on my own The scarlet sins had a crimson cause You nailed my debt to that old rugged cross An empty slave at the empty grave Thank God that stone was rolled away Lord, I confess I've been the prodigal Made for your house But walked my
How the crimson cost You nailed my debt to that old rugged cross An empty slate at the empty grave Thank God that stone was rolled away As we come to this time of prayer, we're so thankful for the fact that God lets us come to Him with our joys and our concerns. I invite you to join me as we pray together. God, we thank you for who you are and all the blessings you have given to us. We thank you for family and friends, for blessings of gatherings and for silent times. We thank you for health, and God, when our health is not good, we thank you that you are there to wrap your arms around us. God, as we listen today to the sermon, we want to remember that our word is important. Help us to keep our word true and to be guided by your truth and your honesty and your wisdom. And God, when we're disappointed by others that don't keep their word to us, help us to be forgiving. Help us to understand that we are only human and we can do our very best if we put our trust in you. God, we pray that our words reflect your love to others. And now we pray to you the prayer that you taught us saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we come to this time of offering, we want to thank you for your support of ministries here at Schweitzer. This past week, we sent several of our middle school kids to CIY, Christ in Youth. They had a great time getting to know other people from other churches. They grew in their faith and they were blessed by this great experience that you supported. We want to invite you to give by going to schweitzer.church/give. And now, here's Pastor Jason with this week's message. Blessed are the meek, the poor in spirit, the peacemakers the persecuted. Seek God's kingdom. Care for widows. Love your enemies. Turn the other cheek. Give, pray, fast. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. Hello and welcome to worship. I'm Pastor Jason. Thanks for joining us today. This summer we've been in a summer long series where we're looking at Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. Today we're going to be listening to Jesus as he picks up 
And he talks to us about what the kingdom of heaven is like. In fact, that's what he's been talking to us about all along, what the kingdom of heaven is like. Along the way, we've noticed that it's open to everyone who's willing to listen and jump in and follow after Jesus. And Jesus says along the way that this kingdom of heaven that he's talking about is not something different than what Moses talked about, but it's the fulfillment of what Moses shared with the people of God. And as he talks about the kingdom of heaven, Jesus is talking about some practical ways that the kingdom is expressed in everyday lives. Today we're going to hear Jesus talk about talking, and particularly he's going to speak to us about how oaths, in, oaths or vows impact our speech and how they impact how we walk and interact with other people. Now the prelude to what, of what Jesus is, is going to be sharing with us today is really a couple of, of notes back in the Old Testament law. In the Ten Commandments, the third commandment is this, from Exodus 27, uh, 20, verse 7. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. That's one of the commandments that's, that's given to us. Like, don't misuse God's name. That's a, a, a commandment that we've heard, that we're aware of. But that has an implication to what Jesus is going to say. Then another point of, of connection is in Numbers 37, or, or Numbers 30, verse 2. Sorry. There's a note that, that says this. A person who makes a vow to the Lord or makes a pledge under oath must never break it. And they must do exactly what they said they would do. These two things help set the background of what Jesus is going to talk about, about what it means to live within the framework of the kingdom when he's talking about oaths or vows. So today we're going to hear from Matthew 5, starting at verse 33. Jesus said this, you have, heard, <clears throat> you have also heard that your ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say to you, do not make any vows. Do not say by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And do not say by earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say by my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. Just say a simple yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. The word of God for the people of God. Now, as we listen to Jesus' words, there is this, this incredible theme that comes forth, that Jesus is calling for tremendous truthfulness and utter honesty from those who walk in the kingdom of God. And Jesus has a problem Maybe we might even say a major problem with the act of over-speaking or of, many, of making many promises where we back it up with a sense of divine force. He sees it as unnecessary. And if you go too far, you actually find yourself in the land of the evil one. Jesus is saying that the people who walk and are a part of the kingdom of heaven, those who put their trust in him, can rely on the act of plain speech. They can rely on living and in, in talking and conversing in such a way where their yes means yes and their no means no. And they can live with a world where people speak with yeses and nos and nothing else. This, Jesus would say to us, and the Gospels proclaim to us, is good news for it means we don't have to go on and on and on in our speech.
Well, while we don't have to go on and on and on in our speech, the fact remains that over the last two millennia, as people have listened to these words, as, as they've heard them read over and over again, Christians have been perplexed with what does Jesus mean? Does he mean, in fact, the plain uh, reading of this text, or is he speaking hyperbolically? If you take a, a moment and you begin to read and, and look at what people across the centuries have said, you'll find that there's a tremendous spectrum. Some people say Jesus, just like in a number of other places, is being is, is employing hyperbole when he speaks in this in this framework. That is to say that Jesus isn't giving us a new law that we suddenly draw upon. Because what he's been saying all along is that if the law is really going to be transformative, it has to be something that comes, the gospel has to be something that comes in and transforms our heart. James Bryan Smith, with a great deal of appreciation to Quakers and others, says that the Quakers and those who said this has to be followed as if it's a law unto itself, said they missed the point that Jesus is saying that our speech is meant to be honest, genuine, trusting and trustworthy for the kingdom of heaven does not run on deception but to make it a law is to miss the point however there are others like the quakers and like leo tolstoy or like saint augustine said that jesus is actually giving us a new standard if you will something to peg on something we can count on that to make an oath or to make a vow is in fact a sin Even if one were to swear on the Bible or if one were to swear by God, one would put themselves at the precipice of falling into perjury, of telling lies, and that lie ultimately would come back upon the character of God. This is why Jesus wants us to avoid vows or oaths at all places. Well, regardless of what view, from those two perspectives, you will find plenty of substantiation for either view or a number of modified views across Christian history. But the reality remains is that what Jesus is talking to us about here, the aim is he wants us who walk within the kingdom of heaven to be people who walk in honesty and truthfulness. And vows or oaths, as the, as the older uh, translation will talk about this, the problem with oaths is that it involves two things that lead us to places that are unhelpful. One is that there's oftentimes over-speaking. And we find ourselves, in fact, over-speaking from time to time when we're with others and we're trying to convey a point. We'll often use phrases like, I swear to God, or I swear on the Bible, or who knows what we might swear by. We make a, we make a statement and then a promise and we add this, this other uh, phrase for emphasis that we're actually telling the point. But one of the one of the writers who was, or one of the people who was in the, in the Continental Congress when they were looking at the Constitution said, the problem with making vows and oaths is that there's often a loss of security and, and a wondering actually if there's, if there's really telling the truth when we overspeak. Think about that when somebody swears on something around you. Don't you have in the back of your mind that maybe, just maybe that's not fully the way things are? The other thing about overspeaking is that it can oftentimes bring us to the point where we find ourselves in a bind, where we might have numbers 30 in the back of our mind, that if we make a vow, we've got to carry it out no matter what. In Judges 11, we hear the story of a, of a man by the name of Jephthah, 
who is a reluctant leader for Israel. And he's a leader who leads the Israelites against the Ammonites. And he goes into, into battle. But before he goes into battle, he makes a vow. In Judges 11.30, he says, Lord, if you give me victory over the Ammonites, I'll give to the Lord whatever comes out of my house to meet me when I return in triumph. I'll sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Jephthah is very reluctant to go into battle, but he does. And, and in doing so, he makes this vow. Well, he has success. And when he goes home, his daughter is the first one to exit the door of his house. To this day, the Israelites remember the loss of Jephthah's daughter. His vow was something that he made in haste. He overspoke like he gave himself no equivocation, no room, no wiggle room. And his vow that ended up leading to the sacrifice of his daughter goes against everything that the Lord was trying to, to lead Israel into. It's a tremendous tragedy that Jephthah sacrificed his daughter. So when we, and that's an extreme example, right? But when we make an, an oath or a vow, oftentimes we end up going to places that we would rather not because we have a sense of duty or compulsion to go there. And we got there because we were over speaking in the first place. The second problem with a vow, which was already intimated at, is a vow can actually lead us to the place where we lie. And, and in lying, whether it's explicit or implicit, it ultimately goes back upon the character of God himself. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in, in his work, The Cost of Discipleship, says this, The very existence of oaths is a proof that there are such things as lies. And, and ultimately, the oath can become a protector of the lie. Scott McKnight, who's a current theologian living in the Chicagoland area, said, when we make oaths, or a number of oaths that have been made, he says, utter honesty has oftentimes been compromised by speaking about oaths. The legal systems that we are part of have encoded ethics that are out of sync with the kingdom ethic of Jesus. They've encoded that. So when we take an oath to abide by something, we're oftentimes not only just lying, but we can go to the place where we end up doing something that's contrary to the makeup of what Jesus is inviting us into and how Jesus would want us to live. So how do we come to that place of honesty, of utter truthfulness? How do we come to the place where our yes and our no are enough? The book of James is a book written by one of Jesus' brothers. And one of the things that runs throughout the book of James is the trial and tribulation that can be brought into our, our own worlds and the world that we live in through our tongues. But in, in chapter 4 and chapter 5, James has some, some counsel to give us around how to speak with a sense of yes and no. In chapter 4, he says this, Don't speak evil against each other. Bear, uh, dear brothers and sisters, if you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone, who gave the law, is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there for a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? 
Your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is this, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Right in a, in a couple of different places here in James' thought about how we use our voices, how we use our tongues, he's giving us a, a couple of, of points. The first thing is <clears throat> there in verse 15 where he says, we should ought to say if the Lord wants us to do this or that, we'll do this or that. James is again bringing us back to the idea of plain talking, recognizing that yeses and nos, they don't have a whole lot of flowers around them, but they just, well, they're just plain and they say what needs to be said, not with a lot of extra words. And so like James is saying, like as in some ways, as Jesus said, he's referring back to that, you know, we can't turn the color of our hair any different unless we go to somebody who, who does that. But on our own, we can't, not from inside. We can't, we can't make our hairs grow or, or not grow. All of that comes from the Lord and there's a lot that the Lord oversees. And so in plain talking, we don't, extend our own sense of authority. We don't extend our own plans. We don't make certain plans because we're not in control of the entirety of, of the world and the environment and the circumstances. So we simply say, yes or no, if the Lord wants us to, this is what we plan to do, but things can change. The second thing, James talks right at the outset, he says, don't speak evil against one another. Other scriptures, um, some of Paul's writings do the this is the negative of, of what Paul has to say. Paul has to say, like, be encouraging. Be encouragers of one another. But this is, is like, if we want to get to a place where yeses and noes mean something, have a voice of encouragement instead of taking the other aspect. And we are so, um, we're so capable of taking the other aspect, of speaking evil against one another, of finding fault with other people, of missing the fault that rests in ourselves. And so we'll describe all kinds of other people or circumstances, but we don't really do this. So what's the cure? For James, a couple key steps to a place where we get to a place where yes and no is enough. One, speak plainly. Understand that, that we have <clears throat> all kinds of reservations to our own certainty. We speak plainly. We speak with words of encouragement, not evil. Dietrich Bonhoeffer again, says if we're going to get to this place where we can speak with yes and no's and just live in a sense of truthfulness, he said we're going to have to utilize the Christian gift of confession. He said because it's only in seeing that Christ on the cross and the resurrected Christ is enough can we actually live with the exposure that truthfulness brings. Because truthfulness will show us a lot about ourselves that we don't really want. Confession can bring a lot about ourselves that we wish wasn't there. But in the act of confession, we can be freed from trying to put up false pretenses or false pictures and we can be happy and satisfied and with saying yes and no, it is enough. Finally, um, James Bryan Smith suggests that if we really wanna to get to a place where yes and no is enough, he suggests that we take moments where we spend significant times simply in silence, not speaking whatsoever. He often, well, he suggests that when we get to a place where we overspeak, we do so out of a sense of fear that we need to describe more than we actually do or we need to say more than we actually do or we need to cover for things or we need to support things. And 
He said so much about this world, so much about the kingdom, so much about our own lives and the things that are happening around us are actually not in trouble. And the way to practice understanding that the Lord is taking care of all things is to actually live significant amounts of time in silence. So he suggests maybe we should take a moment and practice a day of silence. Well, Jesus clearly shows us as he brings us to a place where he's talking about what the kingdom of heaven is like and he picks up on the idea of, of what we say, what we promise, what we mean by the promises that we take. And Jesus is in his encouragement to say yes and no. He encourages honesty and truthfulness that this is the way of the kingdom, speaking plainly for in doing so, we begin to be people who rest and trust in God fully. And God begins to let his goodness, his truthfulness, move through us and into the community. And so the kingdom of heaven becomes something that is embodied right here, right now. May you this week, may you walk in yeses and nos and find God's goodness being borne out in some simple acts of honesty and truthfulness. The Lord be with you. Amen. Thanks for being here this week with us for worship. I want to thank Jen for her great announcements, the worship team for their wonderful music, and Pastor Jason for his meaningful message. If you know someone that would benefit from this worship experience, we invite you to share it on social media. I'll see you back here next week for week eight of the series, The Sermon on the Mount. Have a great week.
God. 